McNulty, he's done incredibly well to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty, cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bobby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle. For McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty, oh, short yeah. for Bobby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Ponting. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They've won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunts proud to be Pompey. Hi Bobby fans and welcome to PO4 Cars episode 77. Well, another season beckons in League One for the Fratton Faithful after Pompey were knocked out on penalties 5-4 against Oxford. We've got a really busy podcast for you guys today with three of my regular co-hosts joining in to rant it out and get that emotion out from earlier in the week. Joining me today is Andy, Freddie and Rob. What we're going to do is we're going to go over the uh, a quick hot take from everyone. Um, and then we're going to go through, we're going to analyse those faithful matches that we were involved in. Uh, and then we're going to go on to the debate. And thank you, everybody, for messaging in. We've got, well, hundreds of people actually messaged. So we're going to try and get through as many as possible. But the question was, should Kenny Jacket be replaced as manager? And if so, who should Pompey bring in? What I'm going to do now is bring in the first guest or first co-host, even Andy, who's been drinking since Monday and is still outside the pub. Andy Mitchmore, how are you? Hello, Hugh. Um, yeah, uh, I found that that's the best coping mechanism after that absolute shit show of a, a two-legged semi-final. Yeah, um, I've managed not to talk about the game at all. Um, so Hugh and I watched the game together over Zoom, and final whistle went, and we hung up the call. We didn't. We've not even spoken about the game because, like a lot of people, I don't think anyone wanted to be around anyone. I put my phone on airplane mode after the game for about two or three hours and just went for a long walk. So, yeah, it's nice to have a platform where we can kind of hash out exactly what went wrong, um, try and take a bit of emotion out of it. But I'm currently pacing back and forth over a bridge in Paddington, feeling quite irritable. So, yeah, this is going to be good. Um, I've got half an hour of my time uh, to, to get my anger out, essentially. Well, cheers for joining us, Andy. It's appreciated. Um, you've left your friend inside the pub, I believe, socially distant, so you can carry on with this podcast. So, uh, so great Exactly, stuff. mate. That's the one. Great stuff. Um, Freddie Webb, how are you? Uh, I'm very well. Well, not very well after that result, but thankfully everything else has been all right, even though Portsmouth have failed miserably again. Well, you know. That's such a positive start, Freddie. You you, you literally sound like you're in tears. Literally, yesterday, I, I, um, my mate who's a Luton fan ra- ran me up and they look like they're going to get relegated. And we just ranted about how shit our clubs are for about an hour, just shouting in the street as I was walking down, uh, up and down my village outside York. And yeah. Was he oh, keen great. on swapping managers? or <laughs> no, no, he wasn't keen on swapping managers. He, yeah, he, he knows about all of Kenny Jacket's weirdness, which I'm sure we'll go into later. Exactly, and let's hope Luton away is at the start of the season when no fans can go because it's an awful place to visit and have a have a night out. But yeah, all right. Last but not least is Rob Cuso. Rob, how are you, mate? Hi guys, uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, I'm okay. Uh, and like the other 
I'll just say uh, angry, annoyed, frustrated, you know, all, all of those emotions rolled into one. Um, I watched the game with my brother, uh, big Prong fan as well. So we ha- had a bit of a, a rant at that point, but uh, not too much. So I'm looking forward to getting it all out uh, over the next kind of hour or so. Yeah, and it's been a... It's been an emotional week so far afterwards of everyone just trying to get their head around exactly what's going on and, you know, where we stand, how we feel, etc. So I've got some flaming emotions, but let's start with some fiery hot takes. Freddie, go ahead first. What is your hot take from the end of the season for Pompey? All right, then. I'm going to read out some stats for the season and then I'll conclude it all at the end. So <clears throat> with Pompey this season, EFL Trophy Final, FA Cup fifth round, do you remember the nine-game winning streak in all comps in like January and February? That was fun, sort of. The unbeaten home league record. Did you also know we have the second-best XG in the league? Because that's that's going to get us promoted to the championship, isn't it? And uh, and also we have the best, the fifth-best high press in the league as well for PPDA apparently. And it all means fuck all, to be honest with you. After the two legs that we've just watched, and. I'm the sort of person who who geeks out at football analytics, and it just and those two playoff games just shows that none of those things that the board will never to be used to keep the manager will um, they just don't matter at all. That sounds like an absolute life revelation for you, there, Freddie. Um, <laughs> that all the stats that you base your life around are suddenly crumbling in front of your eyes with the whole Kenny Jacket system <laughs> being put in place. <sighs> well, obviously, you have to put them in context of what you're watching. And I had arguments about people in the stats community saying we're, we're pretty ideologic for wanting Jacket to be sacked for various reasons. But the problem is that with those stats, compared to the games you're watching, well, we'll go into it more in a minute. I, do, I, I don't see any improvement. Do you? Well, that's a question we're going to ask in a second. But Rob, fire us through, mate. What's your flaming hot take? Uh, my hot take this year, um, I don't know how many people remember my hot take from this time last season. Uh, I said we were going to win the league. Uh, This year, it's a lot more negative, I think, without a major rebuild of the playing staff, the manager, the coaches. uh, We are in danger of being in a relegation fight. That is spicy. Wow. That is spicy. That's a bit of a big comment, Rob. (laughs) Big comment, early doors. You've heard it here first, people. Rob did predict the right scores for the playoffs, so maybe Pompey will be in a relegations, <laughs> relegation scam. Um, Andy, mate, go on then, fire us away. What's your flaming hot take? Uh, kind of like Rob said, we, de- we gave our hot takes last year, and where's the difference this year? Like, before the playoffs and the, in the preview show, we said that we were optimistic that lessons would have been learned from what happened last year against Sunderland. And none of them were. And it kind of, it, it defeats me that that could be the case. I mean, obviously we're going to go into the games in slightly more depth, but I'd, I don't know how I'm suddenly so speechless about it. It's, watching the games was just, it's just classic Pompey. It's the, the fact that when, when do you ever see Pompey, when we go a goal up with, say, five minutes to the break, when do you ever see them do anything other than desperately hold on for the next interval, whether it's the last five minutes of the first half, whether it's the last five minutes of the second half? When do you ever see Pompey, you know, just try and put 
you know, put more pressure on. We're not expecting them to throw eight men forward when they score a goal and do anything stupid. But it's just so utterly predictable, lads. It's, we know what the passes are going to be before they're made. The system is predictable. It's got stale. Um, I, think it was, I think it was Neil Allen on Twitter who said that it was mechanical, which is exactly what it is. It's mechanical, except the mechanism doesn't work anymore. And we can use any of Freddie's stats there that it sounds like he's now lost all belief in. But the main stat is that that's two failed playoff attempts in a row. Both have gone down exactly the same route um, with a really similar pattern, especially in terms of the home leg. And the noises coming out of the club are saying that, you know, we can't make these big crunch decisions. We shouldn't make any rash decisions based on one missed penalty. They're not based on one missed penalty. They're based on two seasons of mediocre, predictable, you know, I know there's an ongoing debate about whether you'd rather see a team play attractive football and, you know, come 10th or play boring football and come 4th or, you know, there's this debate of results versus attractive football. But we're not playing attractive football. We're not, you know, we've kind of stalled in terms of our promotion. They're saying brick by brick we improve every year. We haven't improved this year. That's the long and short of it. So, yeah, that's, that's my not so short, short take, I guess. It's just, just so much frustration, isn't it? I like that, Andy. And I'm going to fire off with a slightly shorter hot take than you've just done there, mate. And my hot take, guys, is that due to mounting fan pressure and a financial situation um, to do with season ticket sales, etc., Kenny Jacket will be replaced this summer with a suitable candidate who will drum up interest in the club and unite the fan base. Please let that be true. That's, that's sort of the, the, the antithesis of Rob's point, isn't it? That's literally the polar opposite. So you're saying we're going to get a new manager and there'll be optimism and new all around the fan base, whereas Rob thinks we're going to be in a relegation scrap. That's exactly. If, exactly. I, I, I said that if there wasn't a serious rebuild over the summer. Right. The thing, right. thing is, technicalities, Hugh, like, technicalities. Yeah, yeah. thing is, Hugh, we get comments occasionally that on the pod we are too positive because we, <laughs> like, when, when, like, throughout the season, we try and maintain some sort of objectivity. We try and, like, do a podcast where um, we're not getting overly emotional. I, I think whenever you see a tweet or a Facebook comment on any of the groups that that we that we're associated with, and it devolves into some sort of you know personal attack on Kenny Jacket, I think it undermines the entire argument because there are footballing reasons why I'm now at the point for the literally the first time I was approaching it to Wimbledon. There are footballing reasons where this is literally the first time I would like. A manager to be replaced we don't need to resort to beaver face this or any of the quite disgusting stuff i've seen on social media to be honest with you um but yeah we get we get the occasional comment saying we're far too positive but i think this might actually be beyond us in terms of trying to turn this into any form of positive because i've got i don't know about you mate i've got nothing right now to hold on to let's roll this on mate it's supposed to be a hot take not a hot essay let's fire this on yeah i'm making the, making the most of the half on. an hour we're i've ten, got we're 10 minutes in and we've already <laughs> gone for it so let, let's go to it guys let's go to the matches you guys we all heard our hot takes let us know at po forecast who you agree with cool okay we're going to briefly go over the first match lads and then we'll roll into the second one before we get on to the real juicy stuff but freddie the first match it started with some proper positivity didn't it you know pompey looked like they could take the game to Oxford. They score a goal, and then what happened? Well, talk, talk about draining the positivity away. Well, exactly, yeah. The first half an hour was excellent football. Um, and some of the excellent football that I've written about for, for Portsmouth. And after that, McCrory was caught out of position in midfield. Marcus Brown went on a run. Burgess was caught in two minds, whether he should press or if he should sit back. 
honestly, if he did either, I think Marcus Brown would have gone round him anyway. And it was a bit of a tame shot in the near post, which went in. Oxford had 0.36 expected goals that game, which as a translation is barely anything. That shot was the was the only real opportunity they had in that entire game for me. So, so what that what that means there, Freddie, is that if the game was played a hundred times, they would have scored one goal in thirty six of them, right? Roughly, yes. Essentially, what XG is, it's just the quality of chances. And if you think about that chance being the best chance they had all game, that puts it into perspective, doesn't it? Yeah, massively. And, and Rob, when you were watching the game, did you sort of feel that after getting that goal, Pompey would push on and maybe? go and get a second goal? Or did you think that it was going to be more of the same sit-back sort of Pompey tactics? Well, having watched enough Kenny Jacket football, I would have been so happy if we had, you know, pressed and tried to get that second goal before half-time, which would have, I think, really, really, the second half would have been completely different and the whole tie, potentially, if we had got a second goal before that half-time break. But... The Pompey fan in me was thinking back to to last year in the playoffs, to the Oxford game at home in the league, for example, as a, as a big example of where we'd score and just sit back and try and be happy with that. It happened in the second leg as well. We'll go on to that. And we invited the pressure. It was, uh, you know, there were so many mistakes leading to that goal. But that goal, the chance shouldn't have happened in the first place. It was a poor pass initially, which then we didn't recover from. But we should have been out of sight, really. We were all over Oxford for that first half an hour, and we let them straight back in as soon as we scored. And I think that's the story of many, many games in the season. Um, when we played Oxford at home in the league, I know it was uh, a 92nd minute equaliser after we sat back and sat back and tried to hold a lead for about half an hour, um, which cost us two points, which if we'd got four more points over the entirety of the season, the uh, PPG would have had us finish in second. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it, the on the pressing issue, it's not an anonymous anymore, is it? It's sometimes very easy to say that, oh, a manager is telling them to sit back when sometimes it might even be natural for the players to want to hang on a bit. But the problem is, it seems now that there's a mentality set in the players when they score a goal now to try and calm it down and sit back a bit. And that is entirely down to the manager and the training sessions. I don't think it's, I don't think you can blame, you can, I think you can equally blame the players and the manager for that now. And if you're looking at a rebuild next season, do you want that mentality to continue into another season where promotion might arguably be even more important? Yeah, you can't go into a season with the mentality that the maximum amount of goals we're going to score in any one game, generally, is going to be one or possibly two, if you're lucky. When you play like that, that's what you're limiting yourself to. Um, And it it seems that in big games recently, uh, Kenny Jacket has become a bit of a Guardiola, and I don't mean in a positive sense. I mean in a tries to massively overthink the team selection, the team tactics, and it's all gone pear-shaped. You look at the Southampton game in the League Cup this year, That what was that team selection? You know, mm. the, the, the playoffs this year, what was going on with that team selection for both legs? 
Rob, Rob, I'm just I'm just going to butt in here, boys, and I understand we're all a little bit over emotional about this, but we'll stick to the game. And and Andy, I just want to know. I know you're the voice of positivity here in the, here in the group. So what I want to know from you is Ronan Curtis's goal. You know, it, it was a good finish, wasn't it? And it put us on the front foot a little bit. Can you talk us through that? And uh, did it give us a bit of hope with the how possibly Simon Eastwood might play out the two games? Um, well, we know that you are the biggest fan of Simon Eastwood on this pod, and possibly. In the county, Hugh, um, it was your, your sort of your, your classic Ronan Curtis finish, wasn't it? Where he, where defenders give him a bit of space to run into, and you know that there's, you know, in terms of the likelihood of it finishing in the bottom corner, you know that there's a decent proportion of the time that that's going to end up being, you know, a goal for for Pompey. And it was at the end of yeah, it was, well, it was towards the end of a good spell of Pompey play. Like we we said for the first half an hour, we were saying we're compact. Uh, we look fairly, you know, we look solid. There's a good shape to the team. They're moving the ball fairly quickly. Um, and then that goal was not undeserved, to be fair. Um, and then, But then in hindsight, could you say that potentially that goal was, in a weird way, it didn't actually help the team in the long run? Because as soon as it went in, you know, the style of play changed. But yeah, I mean, I don't think you can really fault Curtis for a, a large proportion of the season. And in the first leg, he, he stepped up and was, yeah, arguably the best player on the pitch, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, uh, again, Simon Eastwood, yeah, I don't want to jump forward to the second leg, but he has his moments throughout, throughout both legs, doesn't he? You always feel like you're in with a chance. Um, so naturally, uh, he was uh, the reason we didn't progress in the shootout. That's, should have yeah. seen that coming, really. Of course we should have done, especially after we, we spoke to um, George Ellick on the podcast before, and I asked him a few questions on Simon Eastwood, and I've questioned his ability as a goalkeeper, really, and that seems to have come back and bit me in the arse, doesn't it? But all right, let's just quickly round up the last thing about the first game because what I wanted to talk about quickly was the team selection and the addition of Bryn Morris for Tom Naylor into the centre of midfield was sort of bridges both of the of the games. Freddie, what do you think the reasoning was behind it? Because it's, it's got to be a fitness level, hasn't it? There's got to be a reason apart from tactical to include Bryn Morris over Tom Naylor. Honestly, I have no idea. And considering... Kenny Jackett's summer and winter football analogy after the game, I I, I struggle to understand what he was thinking about that selection. What about, what about autumn and spring? I want to know that. <laughs> he didn't mention autumn and swing. I don't know. He wanted to keep the main seasons involved, apparently. No, but I think the only reason why I thought Morris started over Naylor, and this goes on to a later point, I think he wanted a centre mid who can move the ball around a tiny bit better because I'd like Wiccan and Fleetwood. They don't really have a bruising middle of the park, do they? in comparison. So he thought, oh, I'll put Morris in. He'll help shuttle the play forward a bit. It didn't matter because we did the usual. The, the, the movement off the ball or the lack of it meant that there are a lot of direct passes to the wing and to the striker, as there usually is. So honestly, I don't think it would have mattered if you had Ben Close, Tom Naylor, or Bryn Morris in that double pivot with McGeehan, to be honest with you. Arguably, Naylor would have fitted better there because he would have won the ball back a bit more. So he made one. He made one tactical decision and then didn't properly follow through with it. It, 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 it almost as if that team was a bit schizophrenic. He puts in the centre mid who arguably might be able to pass the ball around a bit better, but then played didn't play to his strengths either. No, and he kept the ball moving, didn't he? I know Bryn Morris had about an eighty-three percent pass success rate during the game, which is you know pretty good. So um, I know a lot of people dog on Bryn Morris a lot, but. I think the key thing is he didn't have he didn't have ba- horrendously bad games in any of those, 
the problem is he didn't do enough to justify the selection over uh, over over the team's captain and that's pretty much a fact isn't it Exactly. And I think the thing is there, in my opinion as well, is that I would have liked to see Tom Naylor come in and play that defensive role that it looked like Cameron McGeehan was picking up, especially in the first game. Um, and we actually want him going forward with the ball, really, and trying to create goal-scoring opportunities. All right, let's move on to the second game. Marcus Harness playing in, in the cam role. Rob, well, you've got some feelings on whether Marcus Harness will be playing at centre-attack in midfield. Um, what were your thoughts when you saw the lineup, And were you happy after the game that that's where he started? Yeah, so my opinion changed really. I, I I didn't really think Carnish was that fit in there in in that lineup, and I wasn't too sure about the selection of Williams um, on the right. However, I thought Harnish was probably our man of the match in the second game. Um, he took his goal really well. Uh, he you know direct running, beating beating the defenders. Um, all of that kind of thing, which we know he can do on the wing. Uh, obviously, just moved him across into the middle. But the the selection of him confused me because when you look at the team, Cannon is so important to how we play when we play with a higher a higher press. And going back to what what Freddie said as well, quickly about uh, Morris, it it's that second point about he didn't do enough to justify being selected over Naylor. And all of these different tactical decisions that Jacket makes, in, specifically in the playoffs, like last year when you left out Lowe and Curtis for the second leg against Sunderland, it, it goes back to a, a point where it's it's just become almost stale, hasn't it, I think. And it's, it's beyond frustrating at this point now, because whilst Harness did, did well, it was very isolated in a performance sense I mean because Curtis had his worst game in a Pompey shirt um, Harrison and Marquise were ineffective uh, and Williams battled hard but wasn't didn't have that quality to, to deliver to deliver the ball how many times have we said that this season that we've not crossed the ball effectively enough yeah, no. I mean, I'll, tell, I'll give you some stats about some of the things that you said there, Rob, because you talked about Vernon Curtis there. I mean, Pompey were dispos- dispossessed 17 times in possession and you know, actual serious dispossession was trying to knock it past someone. Uh, and Ronan Curtis um, amounted for six of those times which he's dispos- dispossessed, uh, which is the same amount of times as the whole of the Oxford team lost the ball going forward. Andy, do you but, think, uh, Hugh, that, I mean, is that a case of that he's taking more risks on the ball, though, and trying to make something happen? Well, like he, lost that, it that... Once. he lost it once in the other game. So it, yeah. six times more than before. So uh, I'm not I'm not dissing Ronan Curtis. I'm actually going to ask the question, which is, were all the forwards going up there? Were they all lacking support from the fullbacks and the centre of midfield? Were, were we just sitting so deep in that sense that we couldn't get men around them? And Ronan Curtis often looked like he was crowded out. So Andy, I just want to know what you think the reason is for um, his performance difference in the first game to the second. Yeah, well, uh, if I knew that, I would be uh, I'd be doing something more well paid than doing the free podcast. Um, I think, like you say, there were he looked so isolated in the second leg, and it reminded me a bit of the latter stages of when Jamal Lowe was at Pompey, and teams were just literally doubling, tripling up on him, and there's only so much you can do in that position, however good a player you are. Um, it's very difficult to know the other reasons why, mate. I mean, the. When we were clearing the ball forward, again, it was the same old story in terms of the players who were remaining up top looking isolated. Um, Harrison looked really isolated. 
um, for a vast proportion of the time that he was on the pitch. And we didn't have that, you know, when, when Pompey break well and you've got three or four players streaming forward in support, it just didn't really seem like we had that, particularly in the second, well, after we scored and in the second half as it got closer and closer to extra time. I mean, in some respects, we were fairly fortunate to even get to extra time with, you know, the penalty appeared in injury time. Half the time that gets given. But um, I'm, I'm digressing. Um, yeah, to be honest, mate, I honestly don't know the difference in why there was a difference in performance. Um, his mum tweeted after full time, like before penalties, that it was a bad performance. And to be fair, she's probably right. But you can't expect, you're, you, if you've only got one key player capable of doing anything special, you can't just rely on him to turn up in every game. It's not... It's not realistic. Do you know what I mean? We, there's got to be another option when that is the case. And I think there were arguably bigger problems. There should have been someone else stepping up to be that standout player if Curtis is having a bad game. And no one else was really able to do that. The tactics that Jacket employs in games like this really restrict those players' ability to be expressive, I think. Oh, yeah, I completely agree, yeah. It's, it, and that's one of the massive problems, is that we get, we get good players... And we turn the bad in some ways because it, they become so afraid to take a risk because of the tactics and because they know they're not going to get many chances, especially the forward players, that it almost puts more pressure on them when they do get a chance, I think, as well. Um, I've, got, I've got a new hot take related to that. We are literally the Sunderland of last season. We're really... You're not, <laughs> I'll tell you why in a minute. Because you're not relying on the tactics or this pattern of play. In those playoff games specifically, which is the most important thing compared to the other things we mentioned, it seemed like the manager was relying on the high-end talent to push it over the line. You're expecting Ronan Curtis to beat two players and put a killing killable into the near post. You're expecting Marcus Harness to score, score from outside the area with probably the only chance he had the entire game. You, yeah. That, two, that's shot, two, shots on, that, two shots on target, Freddie. It was that one and the one from Harrison. Yeah, exactly. That, that's an unreliable way of your team winning games. It's it's not even a philosophy at that point. You're just hoping that the high end talent pushes you over. But and also, Freddie, you, do you, do you really think that that is us pushing to to win the game? The vibe I got, especially as we moved into the second half, was let's just stay in this until the last five minutes of the last bit of the game, and then. Hopefully something will fall our way and nick it. It didn't really feel like we were pushing to to win it in normal time. The, the vibe I generally get from Kenny Jacket teams is let's stay in the game for as long as possible and then hopefully we can nick it at the end or we'll get a ball or break the right place in the end and we'll nick it by the odd goal. So I think that kind of fits in with what you're saying there. But I think it's it's a, it's an ongoing issue that we try and do that. Sorry, I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt you, mate. Please no, carry no, on. No, 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 of course not. No, I agree with that, especially with the substitutions. He made his three mm. subs by yeah. the 60th minute, from what I remember. And it was clear from about 20 minutes before the end of normal time that the players were spent. And I know that, it, that really you'd find it weird at this point, right, why don't we put Hawkins on with 20 minutes to go before 90 yeah. minutes? Why, why don't we put Gareth Evans on at the left wing, even though yeah. because Ronan Curtis has had a bad game? Why don't you make those subs earlier, even though you normally wouldn't do? Because, well, the players haven't played in three months and have played two games in four days. The five sub rule was there for a reason. I, I think that was really wasted to wait all the way until what was it the last the last six minutes of extra time when he put Hawkins on, 
and uh, and even though it sounds ridiculous to some people, Haw- bit Hawkins on, Portsmouth looked a bit better when he came on because he was a bit he was fresh legs. He, he took the ball down well enough and put in a couple of passes. I yeah. do think if he didn't make the if he made those subs earlier, yeah, we might have got a bit lucky and won the game, maybe. But it was just we were the, saying with the subs during the game. Hugh and I were saying um, when he was playing around with Harness and Williams and bringing on those sort of attacking players fairly early on and sort of taking off other attacking players. The style of play that Ryan Williams put in, the shift he put in in the first and second leg, and to be fair, the shift he puts in every time he plays, he was never going to get through 120 minutes without cramping up. And I, Jacket made it, it took a very long time to make that sub of Williams compared to when Williams started looking tired. And it's something that we picked up on maybe 20 minutes, 25 minutes before the sub actually took place. Um, that in terms of his, his options and trying to keep fresh legs in the key positions on the pitch, the route he took just didn't allow him to do that. And yeah, it, it, it was puzzling us at the time. And then obviously, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Afterwards. Um, exactly. Um, Sorry, Rob, just to quickly put on that. The thing is, though, with that, Andy, is we said that, you know, when you've got Marcus Harless, he's scored the goal. Um, he's looking dangerous as well. Um, for instance, uh, Marcus Harness is the only Pompey player to have more than uh, one successful dribble past the player with three. He gets the goal. Um, he looks lively. You, when you want to bring on another, another player, I think instead of taking Marcus Harness off, what you do is you put Harness to right wing for Williams, who looked really tired anyway, you know, from his work rate. Um, and then you bring someone else on in Andy Cannon on in the camera. I, I don't understand why you take off the guy who scored a goal yeah. and the only person yeah. who's dribbling it past players um, for Williams, who, you know, fair play to him, but he looked knackered at that point. So it was a bizarre substitution. And I think we can all say the only player who scored a goal and looking lively to take him off like that is just completely odd. I think I think you could make an argument to say all the substitutions were bizarre. Um, the the fact he took Seddon off for Lee Brown when he did, um, Seddon is probably probably the only player in that team who can reliably cross a good ball from a dead ball um, in that team. Uh, Lee Brown did all right, to be fair to him. You know, I'm not his biggest fan. But I thought he was probably our man of the match in the first leg. Uh, I thought he did okay when he came on. The penalty appeal kind of just put that to the side. But it's not exactly an inspiring substitution when you take off your marauding wing back for a defensive fullback at one all and just sit back even deeper than we have been doing for the previous 40 minutes. Yeah, especially I personally didn't mind that sub as much. I don't think Seddon had a good game before that. But I also think the problem was they it, they took Harrison off the outlet ball for John Marquis and then continued to play the same football. Uh, how, how many? How many uh, times? So frustrating. How many times <laughs> have we said that the whole season where you're treating John Marquis either like an attacking midfielder, which is arguably the most idiotic thing I've ever seen yeah. in my life, <laughs> or as a, or as a target man, even though. It's obvious how he played at Doncaster in a 4-3-3 where he got low crosses, low through balls and that's where he got his goals from. Yeah, yeah. We all know he's not a 10, don't we? And I think we can I think we can all establish that point. Um, let's move on now. I just want to talk quickly about the Ellis Harrison own goal. Um, Andy, do you want to just let us know what your thoughts are? Is, you know, is should Bass have shouted louder? Has Harrison not listened and got carried away? Obviously, it's just a complete mix-up, isn't it? But... Can we put this down to COVID-19 in a really airy-fairy way? Or are we actually going to look at this and say, 
one person's to blame or is it just one of those things that happens? I think, I mean, your normal go-to excuses for a lack of communication like that are something like crowd noise, right? Um, and again, as I'm, I'm not a high-level goalkeeping coach and I'm not any sort of goalkeeping coach. You could argue that Bass has got to be more physical there, but even if Bass is slightly bigger than he is, we've seen what, Ellison, what uh, Ellis Harrison does when he runs into people. He, you know, he wins that duel. It's just unfortunate that he decided to do it on our own play. I mean, there was a shout from Bass. I'm sure I heard a shout from Bass um, that it was his ball. And there was... I'm just wondering what Harrison was doing there because there weren't any other Oxford players in the vicinity of, of him and Bass at that point. I'm, I'm confused well, as to the, why... I think the strikers, Andy, are, are told to take up a slightly zonal system, basically, and mark from there. So he's been told to clear the ball out if it comes in there. And he's not taken, in my opinion, he's not taken into consideration the sort of individual effects of what's going on around him he's just taking up this is my role it's my job this is what i'm here to do yeah i think that's a fair comment um but again that goes back to the training pitch and although yeah that 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 shouldn't be a lesson that we learn that he's not you know capable in that role you shouldn't be learning that lesson in a playoff semi-final i don't know why he was defending from corners anyway um, one nil up. To be fair, he's, he's extremely on, uh, good in the air. Next to the fullback on the halfway line. I don't mind him being back because he's extremely good in the air. But I just mind it a bit more when he runs in front of the goalkeeper and nods it into the, the net. Um, I think it's one of the, you can probably attach a bit of blame on both sides. Like We can analyse it to death, but at the end of the day, it happened in a split second. And everyone play, who plays football knows that you know in a split second, you make mistakes. Um, I don't honestly don't think that that's the reason we lost the game. I think there are bigger, sort of more macro reasons that we were knocked out. And I don't, I think isolating that one, one um, mistake, that's, that's not the reason we lost the game. Obviously, mathematically it is, but there are, there are bigger issues at play, I think. Yeah, definitely. No, agreed. Uh, right, let's, let's go in and talk about the penalties, Rob. Um, again, Pompey, obviously, I suppose the, the biggest sort of look we've had at Pompey with the full strength side was last season in the Checker Trade Trophy, who scored all their penalties, Everyone scored apart from Cameron McGeehan. Um, and I feel really bad for the Cameron McGeehan coming out and apologising to the fans and all that. We all know that's not needed. Um, and I hope he signs for next season and we will come on for that at another point. But the the sun was really in, in the goalkeeper's eyes, isn't it? And I don't bloody know, right, yeah, how Simon Eastwood made a save. I still don't rate him. I'm not having it. <laughs> Just, no, it was, not, it was, not it was, in the penalties, no, just no, a save in general. No, just saving the <laughs> ball. It was absolute luck. Just like saving uh, Harrison's. He just sort of fell down and it happened to hit him. I'm not having it, boys. You tell me differently, Rob. Is it a great save from Simon Eastwood? Well, it's it's one of them that if the keeper goes the other way, you say it's a great penalty because he's hit it hard and fairly low and it's gone in. You know, But the keeper guesses the right way at that, you know, he's going to have a bit of a chance to save it. I thought when I watched the replay actually back from the the angle behind the goal, I thought that it was going to slip under him actually uh, for a split second, but obviously it didn't. And like you said as well, I feel feel terrible for Cameron again. He was uh, he's one of those players that kind of like Ben Thompson last season. He comes in and he gets the club instantly. He he knows how to kind of work in that midfield pivot, win the ball back, be aggressive. And he was one of the better players over the two legs. Um, and the fact it was him 
that missed the penalty kind of just makes me feel worse for him. Sorry, Andy, go on. No, thanks, mate. Yeah, I, I'd echo that sentiment in that you could tell that he was a player that Oxford had targeted in, trying, in terms of they were going in hard, in hard on him. Uh, they were trying to wind him up. They were trying to get him carded. And I genuinely thought he put in a good shift across both games, particularly in the first game. Um, it's a pity that it had to be him that missed the penalty. Um, but yeah, I, again, with you, I'm, I think he just, he gets the club and it would be nice to see him sign for next year. Um, gentlemen, I've got to make my excuses because I've just realised that my friend has got my wallet, which is dangerous. So I'm going <laughs> to... Hey, um, I'm spend all your money in the pub. Go on then, Andy. Yeah, do won't, won't, won't take him long uh, to spend it all. Uh, there's no all right, mate. bank account. Uh, take it easy, lads. Enjoy and, your uh, drinks, yeah. mate. And, play, uh, play out Pompey. Yeah, play out Pompey, mate. See you, mate. Good one, Andy. Cheers, mate. See you, guys. Oh, that was nice for Andy to drop in, wasn't it, boys? Yeah, it was, it was nice Scott, enjoying a socially distanced pint. He's got more, more important things than us to uh, to keep him for too long. Well, he's not stopped drinking since Monday night. He, he, he left our <laughs> as, conversation. Has anyone? Well, I mean, I, I actually unfortunately had to work, and I can't work if I'm too pissed. So, you know, it's only a couple of drinks every day going in before, before the end of my work shift. But anyway, let's move on. Oh yeah, Cameron McGeehan. Let's let's get off this topic, right? Because I think that we've we've we've, done, we've covered the games, boys, as best we can. Um, and let's move on to the topic that we put out to all the listeners. And we said to you guys, Kenny Jacket. That's right. Should the man himself? He's had three seasons. Pompey have not been promoted in them. This is season four, the last year of the contract. Should Kenny Jacket be sacked and replaced with someone else? Should we allow him to finish the last year of his contract or should we sign him to a completely new, fresh contract and lock him down in Fratton? So we did a little poll as well to go alongside that and cheers to everyone who voted. After uh, 729 votes, 85% said jack it out now. 10% said keep jack it for one year and 5%, who I assume are scummers, voted new contract for jack it. <laughs> If you did vote new contract for Jackie and you're not a scummer, at PO forecast and why? I want to know. <laughs> All right, let's get into it, boys, because a lot of people have messaged in, as I said, on Twitter, on Insta, on Facebook. But what I want to know is, first of all, let's go round. Freddie, what do you want to happen? Do you want to see Kenny Jacket out? Do you want to see him given a new contract? I know we've mentioned it, but I want you to be clear. What do you want to happen? I don't see how his position is even talks about for staying. I don't get it. Uh, considering all the contracts that are now going to expire and going out of COVID as well, it's a full rebuilding job. Why would you let the same manager go uh, build up his team, make it fall to pieces, and then why would you give him the job to rebuild it all again? I think this was the year, more so than anything, for him to get his promotion. And if he got pro to the championship, I would have given him a year in the championship. But now it's the fact that the team didn't improve with a deeper squad. The squad is, in my opinion, better than it was last season, even without Clark and Lowe in it. So, yeah, I, I would sack him now. I have some suggestions of who would be the next manager. Both of them are unemployed as well, so you don't have to deal with the financial complications of that. And, yeah, but... I don't know why we're having this conversation because we know it's not good. That's not going to happen. Yeah, Rob, Rob, what are you saying, mate? <laughs> that that last bit, Freddie, is exactly it. It's we can talk about it so the cows come home. The Arsenal aren't going to sack him, and I think that is so frustrating on so many levels because 
you you look at how, especially this season, more so than last year, how Jacket alienated vast amounts of the squad, important members of the squad. Pittman and Evans were the captain and vice captain. He then named Naylor and uh, Brown, wasn't it, as the vice captain. Uh, he then he then obviously doesn't play Naylor in the playoffs, and he drops Brown when we signed Seddon. Um, you look at uh, players how how we treated Hawkins, how we treated um, McGee. Goalie. He didn't play Cannon for three months. Yeah, he was did, fit. exactly. <laughs> well, we didn't. Well, we didn't have a number ten. He didn't play him. Exactly. The, the, that whole issue with Cannon, and then it was almost like when he did play, he realised, oh, this guy's actually quite good. You know, and it, all of those things build up. So it just seems nonsensical to keep him, but. When you look at and you talk to other uh, fans of uh, Wolves and Swansea about how Jacket's tenure ended at those clubs, uh, there are big similarities. He, he Jacket has his favourites and his golden boy, who this year was Bryn Morris, after not playing for 10, 12 months, he gives him 210 minutes in three days or four days. You know, and drops the club captain. It, it, if I was any of those players, you know, Naylor, we haven't even mentioned that Close didn't play, and Close has been one of our better players this he season. Even in the, he wasn't even in the squad. In the exactly. If I was, I, one I of still those... don't know why, because it was obvious that it was Jack Watmore who didn't want to train because of, because he was having a child, and that's perfectly understandable. So there was no, as far as we know, there was no medical reason for why Close wasn't in the squad. Yeah, exactly. All of those players, you know, yeah. I, I, I would I would totally understand all of those players wanting to leave now, especially if Jack is going to be the manager next season, which then means if you look at the squad and you take all the long players out, we have... We only, we'd only have one... We, it, discounting Paul Downing because K-Jacket alienated him as well. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. I've completely forgotten about that. <laughs> He signed well, it as well, didn't he? As everybody said at the beginning of the season, be, he was a good centre-back, and I did as well. But he plays him for two games, gets off to a horrible start, and then and then discards him like he's a tool. And I think that's the main issue. He seems to treat his players like tools rather than people. Yeah. In a sense that yeah. he drops and discards boys. them whenever. And I don't think... And, and obviously this is coming from somebody who has no idea of really of the insides of the club, so I don't work there. But it seems to me that he did, he, there's not a lot of man management skill there for mm. me anyway. Yeah, I could be very, talking out of bollocks. You look at that. Sorry, can I just say we need go on, go on then at least eight to ten signings really in the summer. If especially if those players like uh, Naylor and Close leave, uh, where the, there are some rumours spoken about, but it's you cannot let the man who broke that squad to rebuild it. You just you just can't do it, and in a footballing sense, you can't do it. And if you do, he won't sign the right players. He will alienate half the squad again, and we'll be in a relegation fight. Yeah, yeah. Now, boys, let's move on. Let's hear what everyone else had to say about it because loads of people messaged in, and I'm aware that we need to get through a lot of these to give people the respect they deserve for taking the time to message us. Um, all right, let's start with Liam. Cheers, Liam, for message again at Macaboy54. Going to need to bring in a bunch of new players next season. We'd love to see Raggett, Seddon and McGeehan back, but maybe what more can fill the Burgess gap? 
Jacket has to go, made the same decision last year, and leaving key players out of the team. And once again, it cost us. Boys, think we covered that section of it. Um, do you think what more can fill the gap left by Burgess very quickly? Uh, I'm not sure. It depends. It, it depends when the season restarts again, because he would have to go on extensive training regime to get back fit. Yeah, on paper, he's got the qualities to certainly do that. But I would want another ball playing centre half in that line in case it doesn't work out due to injuries, etc. We're linked with Manny Monfe again. Yeah. Who I would rate. I, I would personally feel very uneasy if Raggett comes back, say, and we have him and Watmore having two. Could, forgive me if I'm wrong here, but Watmore's also left footed. Having two left footed centre backs, I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but it makes me feel a bit uneasy. Well, you want some balance, really, ideally. And actually, left-footed centre-backs are usually pretty hard to find as well. So it would be a little bit odd, but, you know, it, it would still work. It's just a bit... It's not ideal when you try to get the ball down and pass it out quickly. And that's, it tends to lead people hoofing the ball. So I suppose it will depend on if a new manager comes in. Jackie will definitely do that, the then. Yeah, Jackie, <laughs> Jackie <laughs> won't mind that at all. <laughs> no, just Liam finishes off by saying, Jackie's lost the fans. We can all appreciate the work he's done, but his stubborn attitude and one-dimensional style of play and failure to adapt has cost us. For the fans and for the, his sake, he should leave. Uh, that's fair enough. Um... Words fail me messaged in and cheers mate and says the manager realistically they'll probably have to work with whatever they've got left Harrison and Marcus up front equals goals and if there's a reasonable team behind them we could probably get top six yeah well well, we've been saying that for a while I think the squad was good enough to do better and with the depth the depth is good in most positions yeah you'd probably want to tweak a couple of players but honestly, for, for, a, for a long stretch of this season, I thought the team was good enough to get promoted. But then we landed in the playoffs again, and I thought, oh dear, here we go again. And it's just, it, it, it's the deja vu factor that really got me, to be honest, of how, of how we, how all that promise of the earlier season form, after we had a horrible start, how that was all for nothing, and how the cup runs were for nothing as well. Yeah, just want to add on that quickly sorry, there. No, sorry. I, I think we just need to add on that quickly. That you said that we have to work with whatever we have left. Yeah. Okay. But uh, we haven't seen the retain list from us yet, and other clubs. I don't know if other clubs have announced their retain list in League One or not. Do you guys know that? I, I think some of them. Have. Some of them might have done because they didn't have the contract issue to deal with yeah. for the end. You know, the end of June. So, but I'm not. I'm not 100 sure. I just want to I just want to say though that you know other teams will be in a similar situation of dealing with you know smaller squads or squads they've got to let players go and stuff but we've got a fairly decent side signed up we need additions obviously but I think when we see other clubs lose players as well I don't see why it's going to potentially leave us in a maybe good enough to get top six situation. But we'll, we'll talk about other teams coming to the league. Steve Hughes messaged in. Cheers, Steve. And he says, I think Kenny should be given one more season. Two cup finals and two playoffs in three seasons isn't terrible. And he has a decent win ratio. However, his style of play and tactical decisions do leave me scratching my head sometimes. If he goes, Darren Moore would be his preference. Uh... I, I, I would agree with that to a certain extent if the board fully backed him. And I'm going to go to this point that Matt Catlin said in November before the time, do you remember when everybody's contracts were up? And he was talking about how they weren't going to talk contract extensions in December 
because, because, and I quote, the players need to get their heads down and get us promoted. Now, if a board executive says that, the main aim is promotion or bust, isn't it? There's no other way around not saying that quote. So really, from there, he, he they, they can't use the fact that, oh, we, did, we didn't get the rubber of the grid in the playoffs or we had those lovely cut runs. They can't hang... They can't use that as an excuse not to sack him now, surely. Well, and they're going to use the COVID ex- situation, mate. I mean, oh, I yeah, do that, think that, that. That is the main excuse. And I do yeah. understand that to an extent because they're, they're looking at it and going, the less we change, the more stable we'll be as we go out and the other teams will be worse financially. Because Portsmouth financially, compared to a lot of other teams in the division, will be fine because of the owners and the, and the gates that we'll get eventually when football returns to normal. Mark Hatlin even confirmed that on this podcast, didn't he? He said that Pompey would be one of the last teams to have any financial issues in comparison to the rest of their clubs in League One. So, yeah, we, we I think we'll see something to go on to that. But let's move on quickly and let's go to um, Andy Thompson. He says he always thought Kenny could get us out of League One, but we would need to replace him once he went up. He's had three attempts. Maybe now is the time to replace him with someone who can do it in both leagues and with the out-and-out contract loans with the out-of-contract slash loans leaving, a lot of space, new man to bring in new players he likes. Got that right. just about Andy. Yeah, I do agree with him. Agree, and I've yeah. got the one manager who's done it at both levels that I think would be a good choice. Uh, I would I would ring up Nigel Clough in the next five minutes and offer him a job. I've already yeah. wrote him a letter. <laughs> <laughs> because think about it, it, it the, the work he did with Burton in the Championship was stunning how they had two seasons. With with the resources at his disposal, and even and even this season, Burton are a solid side and they play some nice football as well. So mm-hmm. it's not as if I don't think you'd have style problems if he came in. No, and I don't think so at all. He he could transition well if he if he got to the championship. So that would that is one of the manager moves that I would go for. But then again, with the COVID stuff we mentioned earlier, I just don't see it happening, and that's very frustrating. Well, you think that, but we, when we spoke to George Ellick um, on this podcast, he says he thinks more managers will be leaving. Because not the other way around, not this sort of steady Eddie approach where no one sort of moves around or whatever. George was saying that he thinks more managers will move. There'll be more liquidity in the market, more people free up. And that will come down to not offering long extensions to some managers and not offering security. And also Nigel Clough sort of left Burton on financial reasons, really. It wasn't the fact that he was... um, it wasn't the fact that he uh, he was a bad manager or anything. Burton just couldn't afford him, so they had to cut ties. Really, mm. so I, I, think, I think there's sorry. a good opportunity here to take a manager without having to buy out his contract. Um, and let's be honest, he's not earning nothing like he was earning um, at Burton. They could be earning at Portsmouth. And so yeah, sign him up. I'm I'm all about Clough. Rob, Nigel Clough, what are your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. That's you, you watch Burton play. You 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 see Burton play. The first thing we're struck by is the how fast. They move the ball in between each other, but they play attacking football, which is what we've all been crying out for. The squad probably had this season, you know, crying out for attacking creativity and attacking football. And someone like Nigel Clough almost definitely uh, implement that. Um, and you know, I'd 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 much rather lose in the playoffs playing good football than losing the playoffs watching what we did on Monday because on Monday it was turgid 
beyond belief. And something has to change now, or we're going to have a situation where there's not going to be, and I know it was mentioned earlier, in going into the, the new season, obviously we don't actually know when that's going to be yet, um, and what the situation is going to be with, with season tickets, etc. They They need some positive feeling around the club. If Jack is still there, that positive feeling will be less than less than minimal, I think. And people will renew their season tickets because they feel they have to. You won't get necessarily the same uptake in season tickets that we've had the last two years, I think. Especially if the manager isn't changed. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's this is the point I'm making, there. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, here's a good one on, on Insta. Um, could get the name, but MRPJ1985, just messaging in, said Paul Tisdale, he's got the managerial skill to take this um, club out of the chaos and build something up from the same time. What do you reckon about that, Freddie? Uh, a manager I haven't thought of, to be honest with you. I did I, I did rate him at Exeter. Had some playoff troubles, but he, he was there for a long time and built a club over a long period of time, which which works with what the board want to do. The whole brick by brick, continual improvement, self-sustainability mantra, which I agree with most of the time. So so he would fit that very well. Uh, from what I remember, honestly, I, I don't know everything about Paul's Disdale. It's very controlling football, controlling the play with his players. So yeah, I... I, I wouldn't be opposed to him being in the frame for a job. I just think there are a few managers who are slightly better than him. Yeah, no, I can see that. Rob, any thoughts for him even to the next one? Yeah, not not uh, a terrible shout. He was linked with the job before, wasn't he? Um, yeah. He was. Uh, was he interviewed for it? I think before we uh, before we signed. Um, was it Cook or Jacket? I think um, he was definitely interviewed for the Pompey job. So there, there is obviously it was a previous board, but there was that kind of link there. Um, I th- yeah, again, it's, I don't know too much about him, um, but I agree with what Freddie said, and that's kind of the, the, the knowledge I have of Paul Tisdale and his ex to side. Um, and then I, another one, I don't know if you're about to mention it, but potentially Lee Johnson, who was at Bristol City. Yeah, he's on um, the list, mate. It's a lot of people have messaged in. I think he's one of the favourites for fans. Yeah, and then dependent on... The situation, uh, I think this is a bit more ambitious and maybe a little bit unachievable. But Eddie Howe, potentially. I I, I think those two names, I don't think they would drop to League One level, even if play starts back up again. I I don't know. I don't know about Johnson, yeah. I've got a few thoughts on this, but I don't. I think for a big club in League One like us, if the right opportunity was there, I think that a manager might take that on in this situation we're looking at now. Um, but I do have a few reservations with Johnson and, you know, quite a fan. But James Robbins pointed out he had £25 million worth of players on the bench at Bristol City and still couldn't get it done. Is he going to make it work with our with our budget and the, and the squad we've got? I think, I think really... If you if you look about, back about how the uh, why the Cook appointment was so good, he knew that division and he knew how to get out of it. Now you, you could argue that Jacket did know that, but that sounds very ago, that sounds year, very years familiar. Ago as well. But <laughs> it, 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 in a similar situation, sometimes when managers drop down like that, 
they're not used to it and then they throw their toys out the pram it was the fact that cook knew what he wanted and had that style of football and said no i'm sticking with that here are the players that are going to do it and that's what he'd want i think nigel clough or daniel stendhal would do that because they've got both they've got the attacking football and they have the experience at league one level yeah, yeah no. and they're unemployed so they won't cost any compensation fee either Exactly. I don't give a shit how Daniel Stendhal did up a, a completely hopeless task up in Scotland. Hearts were yes. a basket case before he came anyway. So yeah, rubbish. <laughs> absolutely rubbish. So I've got absolutely no problem. I thought he looked great at Barnsley. Um, I, we, we, it was someone we mentioned, I think, back in, well, before, must be, was it January or was it the season? We mentioned him a lot, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have mentioned him a lot. People who listen to the podcast recently, well, regularly even, will know that. Um, let's move on. You mentioned Cook there, Rob. Sarah, the striker, messages in and says, Cookie in. Are we going to go back and get a former manager in with Wigan in administration? No. Next question. Ready? <laughs> uh, I don't see it because, um, well, Cook might, st- might stay depending on what their financial situation is. And the board already technically fobbed him off, really, which is one of the reasons why he left. And w- it, v- it, it very rarely works where when a manager comes back, the that the same magic is there again, unless you're Harry Redknapp and with loads of money. But Yeah, I don't see it either. And I, I don't want us to go back in time. I want us to move forward with a new person and coming in with a fresh approach and you know inspire the players. So um, cheers, Mission Sarah. But I think we will pass on that one. Um, Okie dokie, another one. Jasper D messaged in. He says the Isons need to put more money into players. And secondly, he says replace Jackie with Darren Moore or Lee Johnson. We spoke about Lee Johnson who wants to jump in and talk about Darren Moore? Uh, I'll let you go, Freddie. I know you want to talk West Brom, but I don't know a huge amount about his uh, managerial style. Um, at Doncaster, he's done, he's done reasonably well. He lost most of his best players. Well, we uh, poor support one of them, John Marquis. And of it, and he he's as a consolidation season for Doncaster. I think he did re- really well in the game that I, I saw Doncaster. Or what ports of away at Doncaster and they passed us off the park completely and we nicked it. <laughs> so mm. um make of that what you will. He would be a positive manager, but going back to the finances thing, which we've mentioned way too many times already, but I think that will be the main re- uh, the main thought on the board members' minds is you you'll have to pay compensation on him. Which can we will... all can we all say it's unlikely to happen, we think. And obviously, I think, I, happen, I think it's we're not knowledge based. I, I don't see why Darren Moore would leave after a year. I think he, he's at step one of his project, and usually managers like to stay at clubs for more than two seasons if it's going well. And so I don't see any reason why he would jump over to Portsmouth and effectively climb back down the ladder of where he wants to go, effectively. Yeah, no, I'm agreeing. I'm in agreement on that one. I, th- I don't think he's going to come, and I don't think the board are likely if they do get rid of Kenny Jacket and pay out a whole year contract. I don't think they're very likely then to decide to go and pay out another League One rival with the, the money it would cost to actually get him to come to Pompey as well. Cool. All right, let's move on. Then we've got a little bit more time, so let's go into this one. Um, I did have it right in front of me on Insta. Um, let's just go through some of the questions here I've got Callum says Jacket needs to be sacked he always says the aim is promotion every season well we've had three chances and we're still in shitty league one fair enough move that on but I like that uh, Joe Lee on Insta says Kelly needs to be sacked uh, TBF underscore Pompey says this can't go on I mean it's all very <laughs> much the same isn't it 
Um, Hackett, which I'm guessing must be a big J- Kenny Jacket fan, <laughs> says better signings needed. Shrug. Um, Adam Perry says Ryan Lowe in for Jacket. Bet he'd be class for us. Ryan Lowe? That's a good shout, isn't it, Freddie? Uh, honestly, I haven't played uh, paid much attention to Lee 2, so I can't really comment on how good a, a manager is or not. I haven't paid much uh, as much attention to Plymouth as I probably should have done. Well, I feel like it, it's another case of, you know, Darren Moore, and especially Plymouth got promoted. Why I don't know why a man would want to, to leave necessarily to a team in the same league that the team he would be leaving is in. Um, and then, you know, they supposedly say there's a rivalry, etc. You know, um, but he has that full momentum. He's got he's got promoted from League Two twice, hasn't he, with uh, with Barry as well. So it's I think he'd be a good manager, but again, like with the Darren Moore thing, I don't think Popper would pay that compensation to 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 sign him. No, absolutely. Again, I, don't, I just do not just don't see that happening, boys, at all. Um, someone else wanted to know, messaged in, I'm just, I couldn't find who it was quickly on Facebook, but they wanted to know about Ronan Curtis. They said, you know, he's got a, he's signed a new deal, but we haven't got promoted. Can we keep hold of him, boys? It would depend on what the money is. And also, especially, for, for example, we don't know when League One will start. And with with the football leagues, um, methods of uh, trying to get football restarted, we don't know when that will be. If it's a long time, let's say, worst case scenario, let's say it's until Christmas when League One or League Two or the conference sides might even consider restarting football again. Or even worse, say it's another season. If a, if a championship team comes in for two and a half, three million pounds for running Curtis, he'll be gone. And that's just how it is, I think. Yeah, I can see that happening. Or maybe yeah. even a bit more than three million. I'm, I'm not sure... What he signed a long contract, didn't Yeah, he? exactly. I'm not sure what COVID prices would be like. Well, considering that Jamal Lowe is two and a half million, I think Ronan Curtis would be worth slightly more than a bit more than that because of the contract. Similar yeah, no. players. Yeah, I agree. That's I good. agree. Um, Adrian Guff messaged in. I thought this is quite funny on Facebook. Cheers, mate. He said, "My question is, what have we done to deserve jacket? Whatever it is, we're truly sorry." <laughs> <sighs> well, it, well, he was. It, he was honestly. If you think back to the first season, and many people think said that he failed three times. To give him a bit of credit, I didn't expect promotion in the first season, and he did a really good job consolidating that team. And then in the second season. It was the, the, I think the main problem is this season and last season are pretty much the same. We had the dreadful period where we couldn't get any points to save our lives and the football was dreadful. We've had some excellent cut runs. Then we had the period of time where, where it seemed like we could beat anybody and the football was really good. And then we had the playoffs and then he was out for in the playoffs against opposition that was mediocre. And I think that's that's why people are fed up with Jacket now. And they can't just look at the expected goal stats and the wins and take it really. Uh, I mean, I said earlier that those stats don't matter. They do matter. Uh, and I still, I still <laughs> believe in them to a certain extent. It's just, you have to, you have to look at them in context. And I think Portsmouth are getting, uh, getting those good XG stats in spite of Kenny Jacket rather than him actually setting up the tactics to create them in the first place. Two things on, on that, Freddie. Um, didn't, didn't you say on a podcast earlier this season that at one point uh, we were, I think, third 
or second in the league for attempted crosses, but about 12th in completed crosses. Yes. Uh, that goes to show something, doesn't it? Our game relies on crosses and we don't have people that can actually cross the ball. Another thing with that, though, with crossing accuracy, it's a bit of a red herring, like passing accuracy, because sometimes, as you know, an excellent cross can go in and the striker's just not there. And it's yeah, accurate. I, I, okay, but the, the, um, this, I, th- I think what's probably statistically is, significant. Yeah, what it shows is. to me is, is the fact that the players aren't there to receive the ball in the box. If you've got one yeah. player, he's marked by both centre backs, and there's a full back there to cover. You know, it's never going to be a successful cross, is it? No matter how good that you know Ellis Harrison is in the air. And it yeah. also shows how over reliant the team is on crossing at or times. Hoofing in general. Yeah, well, and yeah. The, the, the other thing I was just going to quickly mention is that you mentioned about mediocre opposition. I think that's that's it, isn't it? That Oxford, if Oxford play like they did against us in the playoff final against Wickham, they'll get handily beaten. I've already bet on Wickham to win that game, <laughs> which means Oxford are definitely going to win. So I'll 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 make sure I back Oxford then. <laughs> <laughs> You're the prediction master, mate. You predicted our demise, so uh, oh, well, you just I, predicted our potential relegation next season. I predicted one all in both games and that we'd lose on penalties. So yeah, it was, uh, and that was I predicted that a week ago. So. Mm. And if you guys are angry and want to let it out for Rob predicting the right results and talk to him on yeah. Twitter, it's at Blue Army PFC underscore. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right, boys. I'm looking forward um, to it. <laughs> there's two more people I want to talk about, and then we're going to wrap it up. All right, and we'll do what we'll do is we'll do the squad um, analysis in the, in the next episode. So we'll do a bit of a, a deep dive into who we think should stay, contracts, renewals, all that kind of stuff, and we'll do that next week. But for this one, there's two more people. One person on Facebook got a lot of likes. Um, First, John Fry, Forrest Watson, Dennis Molyneux, um, and Norman McLeod and Michael Charlton have all suggested that Pompey go out and get Chris Hewton. A uh, great manager. I just don't think he'd drop down to League One level. I, I think really good, good manager, but also if we're talking about attacking football, the, his Brighton team was incredibly defensive. The year they went up from the, the Championship, I think they scored 53 goals in the league. So if we're talk, I think he's probably just jacket, but slightly higher up the football pyramid. Jacket he also he plus. also had Anthony Knockart, who was in pure Darren Huckaby Championship form as well. So <laughs> yeah, Darren Huckaby, potential manager, Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what he's doing nowadays. Who does know? Who does know? And the last one that people mentioned, I mean, the last one I thought was actually worth bringing up. If I can find out who it was. John Coleman from Aki. I don't think he would leave Aki, would he? It's it's another one, isn't it? Where getting a manager from another club it, it, it doesn't really happen that much in League One um, because of the the amount of compensation that we need to pay. I assume Coleman is probably on you know a couple say a couple of years contract, and that's that's a significant amount of compensation that Pompey would need to pay, and they just wouldn't pay it when there's other options out there that you could get for free. All right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And let's just, just do these two funny ones at the end. And uh, sorry, Dean Mackay, but Lee Bradbury, I do not want Lee Bradbury coming in as manager. Um, and I, used and to work, I used to work at uh, Gosport, so if we could definitely not have Lee Bradbury. Go on then, I'll what's take... the scoop? What's the scoop, Rob? So when I was working at Gosport, Gosport and Havert were in the same league. And there was some, they played in the FA Trophy semi-final. Um, and Gosport won the underdogs won and went to Wembley so there was if people that are 
Covenant Gospel fans know the story. Um, I won't go into it too much, but why not? But there's there's plenty of there's plenty of reasons why some gospel fans don't really like Lee Bradbury. All right, we'll have to take your word for that, Rob. Um, and <laughs> and the next and the next one on there um, is someone people have been asking for John Terry. You want to start a new culture at the club, people? John Terry. <sighs> I'll let you go first, Freddie. <laughs> you throw me under the bus there, haven't you? <laughs> uh, why why would he leave his coaching coaching situation at Villa? to go all the way to a League One club where it's a risk. Uh, he'll probably look at the stature of Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard and go, well, they got Championship Plus jobs. Why can't I get that? Which is yes. a situation. Uh, actually, what, what, one final person I'll throw into the hat, which might be a rogue choice, Sol Campbell. Oh, mate, you just got the words. Literally, I had that <laughs> ready at the end. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to tighten up the contract to make sure that, you know, those image rights and all that kind of malarkey aren't included, right? He's <laughs> not spending that money in Harrods and whatever. Like, like my mate from Southend, she just watches Instagram and he, he just saw him having breakfast in London every day. Decent. He had a decent spell of Macclesfield, wasn't it? But Sol Campbell, I do not want him coming in and all the fans being divided on whether they like him or not. And it's a complete circus, mate, despite even his, you know, it wasn't his fault this year at Southend, was it? You know, they had one of the worst squads, I think, ever to grace yeah. League One as a team. And there wasn't the reason they didn't finish bottom was because of Bowen. Exactly. They are awful. And, you know, you could have put... Um, you could have put Klopp in charge of bloody uh, Southend and nothing was going to happen, let's be honest. But Sol Campbell at Fratton Park, get out, mate. <laughs> it would be at yeah. least interesting. <laughs> I mean... It, it, it would divide the fan base, wouldn't it? And that's definitely, exactly. not, that's definitely yeah. not what we want. That's not what we want. So, boys, we're going to go quick, really quickly around the table. I'm going to say Clough, if, if we can, get him in. I just want to know who you two think as well. If you were given the chance now, you and Mark Catlin, who would you want to bring in? Uh, Clough, first choice. Daniel Stendhal, second choice. And we can figure some more names another time. Yeah, I, Rob? I, I think I'd, I'd probably agree with Freddie, but I'm going to be different and say Lee Johnson, first choice. Uh, maybe Stendhal second choice and then Clough third choice. I honestly thought you were going to say Sol Campbell. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll chuck him in at number four just to, just to give give him a mention. It's like the bookies and they just find a former player and just add him to the list of if, people. For can, 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 I, can I put Sol Campbell each way so if he gets an interview, I win some money? <laughs> <laughs> what about Carl Dickinson? We could bring him in. Can we play a manager? If you could see the, the expression on my face, it would tell you all you needed to know. I'm feeling it through the power <laughs> of Skype right now, mate. I'm feeling it through the power of Skype. Guys, I think I think we've got, with my comment there, I think we've come to a natural end of the podcast, <laughs> haven't we? So, um, Freddie, it's been great having you on the podcast again, mate. Much appreciated. It's a pleasure. And Rob, again, it was appreciated having you on the pod as well again, mate. Yeah, great. Great to be on. And Andy, I hope you're enjoying your 15th gin and tonic of the afternoon. And I won't say about the morning drinks. But until next time, Pompey fans, play at Pompey. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle.